0: Speak about this in this way before, but I actually really felt it was important, and I actually felt for quite a while the Lord wanted me to speak about it. And I think there's, there's. Let me say this: I, I was praying about what to call this, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to call it "Blessed are those who aren't offended by Jesus," and that's actually a scripture. It's actually Matt, uh, Matthew 11, 6, where Jesus says, and I'll probably talk about this later. "Blessed are those." Who aren't offended by me. And the interesting thing is, um, and I, I, I want to just kind of spend today giving you scriptures because I really feel an, uh, an importance about this message for a whole bunch of reasons. But what I want to show you today is that the Lord actually uses offense as a strategy to reveal the heart, what's in the heart. How many of you have heard that saying, God offends the mind to reveal a heart? few of you. I, I don't know where I first heard it. I think it must have been John or not. I've heard him say it more than once. Mike Bickle says it all the time. Usually in the context of manifestations or, you know, that sort of thing. And, and God revealed and still does a lot of hearts through what happened uh, in the 90s and it continues to happen with the moving of the Holy Spirit where, you know, really interesting manifestations occur and of course, you know, I've spoken about this before, but um, that really revealed a lot of people's hearts in a lot of ways. Because sometimes the mind can't grasp what God is doing. And what happens is um, the the negative thoughts or the pride or judgment or whatever it might be that's in our heart actually manifests as a result of that. And it either shows humility or it shows Pride. And I I remember a few years ago, I heard this saying, and it just, it's one of those things that stuck with me. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily completely, you know, true, but I think there's a lot of truth to it the more I think about it. Is that pride is offended, but humility is grieved. Pride is offended, but humility is grieved. And so, whenever we're offended, it gives us an opportunity to examine our hearts and see what lies within. Is there pride? Is there anger or whatever? Because as I'm going to show you in scripture, that this is actually, like I said before, a strategy that God uses. Now, the challenge for us is, as believers, to discern when is a God and when is not. Because I don't want, I want to say the other side of things. I don't think, just because something's offensive definitely does not mean it's God. Okay, of course. So we got to be careful with this, and I want to make sure that I'm clear that I'm not saying just because something's offended, that offensive, rather, that it's God. But with that being said, I want to show you scripturally, and God isn't shy about this. In fact, he calls himself the stumbling block, that he uses this strategy. And there's actually, uh, you know, I have to sort of navigate what to preach on today because there's so many scriptures I could share on this. It's, when you see this in the Bible, it's like, especially in the Gospels, it's, it's just over and over and over again. You can see Jesus using this, particularly with people who are resisting him. Like, for example, the Pharisees. He used this strategy over and over and over again. And so what I want to do today is show us some of those scriptures, but also give you um, some scriptural precedent and even prophetic words about Jesus that show and actually explicitly say that Jesus uses this strategy for a reason. And like I said, one of the main reasons is to reveal the heart. And the reason I feel like this message is so important right now is because I think that God is about to do something really offensive, and me just saying that might be offensive. But I think it's true. Now, um, what do I mean by that? Um, I've talked a bit about this before, but uh, whenever God moves, often there's a stigma that comes with the move of the Holy Spirit, right? We, like in the '90s, with with this movement that we're a part of, the the manifestations highly offensive to people, highly offensive. And like I said, that, that really showed people's hearts, whether they were on board, whether they were prideful or whatever, whether they uh, had genuine humility to jump on board with what God's doing. So I feel like God's going to do something even greater, if you will. And I, I'll say this, to say this. Why I feel that way is because even when God started pouring out His Spirit in the 90s, over and over and over and over again, there was prophetic words that He's coming on right now lightly to prepare people for what's coming. So in other words, the things He's doing now, He's preparing His people because these things that are offensive, if you're offended by this, you're going to go screaming out of the church when He moves again, what He's doing next, right? Right? And, and all these different prophetic people have gotten the similar words that God said that. How many of you have heard of Charlie Robinson? Oh, okay, most of us. Great. I remember seeing an interview with him, and the Lord told him that. You're going to even be offended at the next revival. <laughs> I hear some laughter. If you know Charlie Robinson, you'll understand why they're laughing. Charlie Robinson, most would think, is a pretty offensive guy. In fact, he he traveled with Todd Bentley for a while. He was part of the ministry and so forth. And you know, a lot of people get offended by Todd. Um, And he was like, oh my goodness, God, I will be offended? You know, like, it takes a lot to offend me. You know, and so he was kind of saying, I was like, what is it going to look like? We don't know. But if it's going to offend people like him, we really got to guard our hearts and realize when God moves... We cannot judge it if it looks weird, or if it looks outside of our boxes, okay? But not only that, um, and I'll probably get to this a little more later, there's things that are happening in our world all around us, and that continue to happen, that if we don't watch ourselves, we can be susceptible to being offended with God. And that's hard to say and to even admit that it's true, but it happens. And I want to show you, so what I want to do... Is is show you this in the scriptures so that you can shelve this, so to speak, and have sort of at least a foundation so when things start happening that might be offensive, you'll be like, Okay, wait a minute. I remember that one teaching where this is actually a strategy of the Lord, and then it gives you an opportunity to examine yourself and to examine what the Lord might be doing through it. Does that make sense? So what I what want to do... Now, you, um, I have a lot of Scripture today because I want, like I said, I want to base this on Scripture, not my opinion. Because I love the phrase, God offends the mind to reveal the heart. I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, that makes so much sense. That should be in the Proverbs, you know? <laughs> That's like one of those things. But then after that, the Lord started showing me, no, this is actually Scriptural. This is actually something that I do and have done, you know, since Jesus walked the earth, you know? Okay, so... Uh, um, So listen fast, but for those of you who want to read along with me, I'm really going to focus on Matthew 15 and John chapter 6. So those are the ones I'm going to focus on a lot, but in the meantime, I'm also going to throw out other scriptures. For the sake of time, um, I'll, of course, quote those scriptures, but if if you're tracking along, I'd recommend that you just write them down. Uh, You can read along, of course, but there's going to be a few, so I don't want to overwhelm you. But the first... The first scripture that I want to show you about this, remember, we're talking about God's strategy of offending the mind to reveal the heart, is from Luke, chapter 2. And I'm going to start in verse 25. And most of us know this portion of scripture. It's it's uh, about a man named Simeon. So it says, Now there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the conclusion of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would die, or not die, rather, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, we're talking about Mary and Joseph now, Jesus, uh, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now get this. this is, I'm, I want to say this. This is a prophetic word now over the baby Jesus. He's eight days old. Okay. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign... That will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Do you see that? So that the thoughts many will fall. He's going to be a sign to cause many to fall. So that the thoughts of the hearts will be revealed. So even we know when there's a prophetic word like that over a child's destiny. And the Bible makes it clear over and over. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. That that's a serious prophetic word, and it's actually talking about his ministry in general, that he's going to cause this, so that, right, so that, it's unto, revealing the heart. Okay, now I'm going to go in the Old Testament, because there's this really interesting prophetic word about the Messiah, and the interesting thing is, it's about him causing people to stumble, and people in different New Testament writers quote this over and over again, as evidence that he's the Messiah because he caused so many people to stumble. So this is Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. This is talking about Jesus now. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He'll be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he'll be a trap and a snare. Isn't that interesting? Many of them will stumble. They'll fall and be broken. They'll be snared and captured. This is talking about Jesus now. Isn't that interesting? This is a prophetic word about Jesus and his ministry and what is going to, he's going to cause people to stumble. He's going to be a snare and a trap. And this is God saying this about, this, right? And to us it might be offensive, but I, I'm telling you, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm wanting to give you a solid biblical foundation for what I'm saying today. Now let's fast forward, go to the New Testament now, quoting this verse. Romans 9, verse 30 to 33. Romans 9, 30 to 33. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith? But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Talking about Jesus now. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it's written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So this portion of scripture, Paul's combining Isaiah 8, 14, which I just quoted, um, along with um, Isaiah 28, 16. And like I said, New Testament scholars, or sorry, writers use these verses again as Evidence that Jesus was the Messiah because He caused people to stumble, because that was part of his ministry. Another um, Peter we'll go to First Peter two, four to 10, and he uses these scriptures as well. Starting at verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scriptures it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's Isaiah 28, 16. Now, to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected have become the cornerstone. That's Psalm 1822. And, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Again, Isaiah 814. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. Now, if you weren't convinced by that, I'm gonna give you another scripture. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 24. And again, we're talking about this as a strategy, as a strategy that the Lord uses to reveal the heart. The scripture that I'm about to read is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 24. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent, I'll frustrate which is Isaiah 29:14 again. He's telling them why he's using these offensive strategies. Where is the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made them foolish? The wisdom of God of uh, the world rather? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So a lot of these things that God does in particular manifestations somewhat look foolish, don't they? And He said, the purpose of these offensive things that are foolish in the world's eyes are to reveal the hearts of His people and to frustrate the wisdom of this age to reveal people's pride, that they're banking on the fact, hey, I'm so intelligent, I got it all figured out, and the Lord's like, hey, I'm going to actually use this offensive strategy to reveal that you're actually wrong, and to show you your pride, to show you that the wisdom of this age is perishing, and what people consider foolishness, like the cross of Christ, is actually the power of God, that's actually truth, that's actually how you get saved, even if it's a stumbling block to, to the Jews, as it says, so, I hope now, from those scriptures, those, like I said, were just showing you a foundation that God isn't, God isn't shy about saying, hey, this is a strategy I use. In fact, he calls himself the stumbling stone that makes people stumble. But what I want to show you now, like I said, to be aware that God uses this strategy, I want to show you now how Jesus actually uses this in his life and ministry, Okay? Because there's a direct connection. You can see the connection if you're paying attention that God, Jesus is using this offense to reveal people's hearts and to actually weed people out. And I'll explain that when I, when I read this. Because it's clear. He uses this as a strategy to actually show who's really on board and who's not with what he's doing. So, like I said, I'm going to focus on Matthew 15. Now, Matthew 15 and, and, and John 6, like I said, the two chapters that I'm going to focus on. The interesting thing about these two chapters is they're right after Jesus multiplies the bread and feeds 5,000 people. Both of these incidents, and, and then after this, that's a demarcation in his ministry. After that, everything changed. After that, he revealed himself as the Messiah in Matthew, and Peter said, you're the Son of God. He also started telling them, hey, I'm going to be crucified soon. So this was actually an interesting demarcation point. Now the interesting thing is, is Matthew, like I'm going to show you, focuses on the Pharisees, whereas John focuses on the disciples. And I'll I'll elaborate more on that in a minute. But like I said, Matthew 15, right after Jesus multiplies the bread and walks on water, and this happens, okay? So he's on the other side of the lake. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Now this is really confronting religious traditions. For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus, now get this, this is, this always baffles me when I, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. Other translations say you make the word of God void because your traditions. Is there anything that can nullify the word of God? Most of us would be like, no. The word of God is way too powerful. And he's saying actually your traditions can nullify the word of God. That's, that's kind of crazy, right? We gotta really, really watch Why we do the things we do? Are we doing them for the sake of tradition? Because if we are, we can get in this danger zone of actually nullifying the Word of God, which is crazy. But this is Jesus saying this, right? Now get this. Now he confronts them. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when you prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth, that's what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Remember, we're talking about Jesus using offense to reveal their hearts. This is an interesting reply. So Jesus replies, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. What? what do you mean by that Jesus what an interesting response to the disciples saying didn't you know they were offended what do you think that means this this is in response Jesus saying everything not planted by my father will be uprooted this offense is what I'm using to uproot those things not planted by my father like I said offending the minds reveal the heart what wasn't planted by the father he just confronted the issues of their hearts your hearts are far from me Your traditions are nullifying the word of God, okay? So, then he says, leave them. They're blind guides. The blind, lead the blind. Both will fall into a pit, pit, rather. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull? Imagine Jesus said that to you. (laughs) That's kind of offensive. Oh, Jesus. So Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Verse 18, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these things defile them. Remember, we're talking about God offending the heart to reveal, sorry, the mind to reveal the heart. So he's saying what comes out of the heart. And so he says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So right after this, Jesus offends them, reveals their heart, says this is a strategy, and God's going to uproot these things that aren't planted by him, and then he says, this is what's going on. Right? This is what's going on. The, none of the stuff, these traditions matter. What's go, what really matters is what's in the heart. And in verse 18 he says, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Isn't that interesting? What comes out of their mouth is actually displaying to the world what's actually in your heart. And it's the offense that manifests those things. Because we can you know go around and not talk and just we might be thinking. So then he goes the, in people's thoughts. This is what the Father does. So he talks about the words and the thoughts. But like I said, it was the evil things in their hearts that Jesus was uprooting and manifesting through the, the offense. Now to show you this, another scripture on this, because this is I always found this interesting. We gotta guard our mouths. But when, we're, but when we say something, when we're offended, that it's actually displaying to us, there's something in my heart i got to deal with. There's something being manifested, and God's giving me an opportunity to repent right now. So this, this whole thing, what comes out of the mouth is displaying the heart, like Jesus just said, is also in Matthew twelve thirty three to 36. And I'm just using this to show you another scripture on this very thing that Jesus is talking about. Now, this is, this is a really, really intense scripture. and Someday I'd like to preach on this. Talking about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But what I want to emphasize right now is Jesus' response to the Pharisees' words that they just spoke. He says, Either make a tree good and its fruit good. Sorry, this is Matthew 12, to 36 Or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Like I said, what you what comes out of your mouth, especially when you're offensive or offended, rather, that gives you an opportunity. My goodness, this I got to deal with. This needs to be uprooted because this obviously wasn't planted by my father. So then he says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings out forth good things, An evil man out of the evil treasures bring out uh, evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they'll give an account for it on the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. That's how critical our words are. What's the, why, Jesus? Why are words so critical? It's not the words, it's what's in your heart. And it's just displaying to the world the fruit that's in your heart, whether good or evil. Right? And that, that's why it's so weighty. That's why our words matter so much. I mean, there's, that's a whole other message. But that's, again, one of the reasons why God uses this strategy of offense to uproot and to display the evil if there is in your heart, but also the good. That's the other side of things. The interesting thing, actually, before I go there, I want to show you, (laughs) I like the Bible, I want to show you another verse, another portion of Scripture, Jesus using this, okay? This is from Mark 3, 1 to 6. This is one of my favorites. Because there's such a connection here in the point I'm trying to illustrate of Jesus using this strategy. So this is Mark 3, 1 to 6. Illustrating the principle of offending the mind that revealed the heart. So, and he entered the synagogue again and the man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal them on the Sabbath. So that they might accuse him. Talking about the Pharisees now. That was their intentions. Now Jesus is going to reveal that. Right? So they're actually waiting. Is he going to heal on the Sabbath? Because they're so steeped in their religious traditions that they wouldn't even allow somebody to be healed on the Sabbath. So, verse 3. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, Step forward. This is Jesus now. So, he, right? So he gets the guy to come up and, he, and then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? For the, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger, this angered Jesus so much. He looked at them with anger and being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Remember, we're talking about the heart now. He said to the man, stretch your hand. He stretched it out and the hand was restored as whole as the other. He was completely healed. Get this. Verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They were so offended that Jesus would heal on the Sabbath that they plotted from then on how to kill Jesus. Remember when Jesus said that in Matthew 15. What comes out of the heart, what comes out of the mouth is revealing what's in your heart. Murder, sexual immorality, all these things. So Jesus, he was so grieved at the heart is of hearts, he's like, I'm going to display to you what's in your heart by offending your mind, by healing on the Sabbath to show you that you're actually murders in your heart. And after this, is is that's when uh, everybody started plotting the, the Pharisees how they're going to kill Jesus because they were so offended. Again, the hardness of heart. Now, the, the sad thing about this, right, he was grieved by the hardness of their heart, is that if we're offended, that actually hardens our heart more. So as soon as we're offended and we don't deal with it, that's one of the things that hardens our heart to what God's doing. It hardens our hearts so that we can't receive it. So when God is pouring out something, or we judge and we say, that's not God, it hardens us, and it makes it that much more difficult for us to receive the things of the Spirit because of that offense. And that's why this is such an, a critical thing, and this is why Jesus is so angry at their hardness of heart. Because they couldn't receive what he was doing. They couldn't receive the blessing of even being healed on the Sabbath because of their hardness of hearts, because their hearts were so far from him. Now, what I love about the Bible is it often contrasts. So we talked; we're talking about Matthew 15 still. I just went on giving you more scriptures to illustrate that. Right after, remember, we talked about you know the Pharisees who were offended. Everything uh, that's not of my Father to be uprooted. Then he talks about the things that when the mouth speaks, that's showing the heart. The, right after, picking up Matthew 15:21, it contrasts with a woman who overcame offense. This is really interesting, showing humility. What a heart looks like if they can overcome it. So Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Imagine this woman crying for mercy for her daughter to be healed, and Jesus says, Sorry, you're a dog. Now, no matter, now, I've heard people try and rationalize this way. No matter how you slice the pie, Jesus is calling her a dog, right? If this happened in our culture, imagine what would happen if a preacher said, You're a dog, I'm not going to pray for you to be healed, or your daughter, rather. My goodness. Oh, no, you didn't, right? I'm not coming back to this church, and I'm going to tell all my friends what you said to me. They'll probably make the news. <laughs> you know? What did this... Okay, so, what, you know, and I always thought, Jesus is calling her a dog. You know what's interesting? I never thought this before, and Steve Long mentioned this this summer, and I was like, wow, he's really calling her, her daughter a dog. She's the one who needs healing. And he said, healing's right, not for the dogs. So uh, imagine Jesus now, that's, wow. You can say that against me, but you're saying that against my child. But look at what the woman says. This is what I'm getting at, the humility that it took for her to overcome that offensive word or what Jesus gave her. Look at this. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that moment. I don't know. I would have a hard time coming out getting over that word. Jesus said, You have great faith. Remember, offending the mind reveals the heart. And remember, out of the abundance of the heart, we gave the scripture, Matthew 12, 35, the mouth speaks, whether good or evil. So Jesus can actually uses offense to show the good in people's hearts too. That's what was displayed in this woman, faith. And he was amazed. To the point where he he changed his mind, he's like, okay, that is great faith. And I want to say this, if you're willing to overcome offense, there's a huge reward on the other side. A huge reward. God often meets us on the other side of our lines. We draw lines, you know, God does this, but he won't do that. God's like, meet me over here on the other side of the line you drew. And if you do, huge blessing. So, let's talk about what happened in this renewal that we're a part of. The people who jumped in and overcame, okay, this looks weird. These manifestations I don't understand, I'm going for it anyway because I'm so hungry, that impresses God. I'm impressed by your faith that it took to overcome those offensive things and you're going to receive this blessing as a result. So I want to say say this, when something offensive happens and it's from God and you overcome it, God rewards you and he's impressed by your faith and you're going to get rewarded for that. And so it's an opportunity and an invitation every time we're offended to overcome that and to get God saying, wow, I'm impressed by that. And I'm sure that because he knows how challenging it is to overcome offense, right? His whole life he was criticized from people. And so, like I said, that's a contrast. You could either be offended like the Pharisees were, and Jesus saying, That's terrible. Your hearts are so far from me, you, you can't even hear my word. Or you can overcome that offense. The interesting thing, too, is the connection he makes to faith. Right? Wow, you have amazing faith for overcoming that offensive word. I want to show you a portion of scripture that shows if we're offended, that actually decreases faith, hardens our hearts, and actually limits God. Can anything limit God? I'm going to show you a scripture that actually explicitly says you can limit God when you're offended. So this is from Mark 6, 1-6. Mark 6, 1-6. to Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Now get this. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. You see that? They took offense at him. They actually were offended because they were, wait a minute, who's this guy? We know this guy. He's a, he was that guy who played with my son Johnny and they kicked the soccer ball around when he was a teenager. Who's this guy? I think he is, right? Now get this: Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor except in his own uh, town, among his relatives and in his, at his own home." Verse five: He could not do any miracles there. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them." He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus could not, because of their offended hearts, and their lack of faith because of the offense, they closed their hearts to him. Wait a minute, this is Joseph's son. Couldn't do miracles there. He didn't say he wouldn't, right? It said he it didn't say he chose not to. Said he could not do any miracles there, except. And then he was amazed. Remember the, this, the from Matthew fifteen, the woman who came overcame offense. He was amazed at her faith. He was, he was amazed at their lack of faith because they were so offended with him. They shut their hearts towards him. That's why this is so critical that we. Don't give in and succumb to offense. We'll often wonder why, God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you moving in our churches? Obviously, we don't know for sure, but what question we have to ask, are we offended with God, maybe? Are we limiting Him because of whatever happened? Maybe. I'll get to that later. But you see that connection with faith, right? That's what I wanted to show you with those. Now, some of us might be thinking this. Okay, Jesus, so far the scriptures I've been showing you, because he had such a hard time with the Pharisees, was he just using this to confront religious people? Was he using this to confront, you know, the Pharisees who were obviously out to kill him? And what I want to show you, and this is what's really alarming, is John chapter 6. Because here it actually shows believers, followers of Christ, disciples, if they get offended, can fall away. And that's, this is really close to home. This is the scripture we've really got to pay attention to to make sure that we don't give in. So again, this, interestingly enough, happens after he feeds the 5,000, walks on water, goes to the other side, and then a bunch of people, 5,000 people, Matthew says, besides women and children. So there could be, who knows, 15,000, 20,000 people. They were so excited. Man, this guy's doing miracles, he's healing people, right? Just like this this hasn't happened since Moses. Manna came down from heaven. So they start, so in this, they start. They cross the lake to find him. And there's all these thousands of people so excited about Jesus. They, it actually says they wanted to make him king. They wanted to force him to be king. So I'm going to fast forward to, to verse 35. So he's having a conversation with the crowd about what just happened when he multiplied bread. Starting in verse 35, just for the sake of time, I'll pick up there. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given to me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise them up on the last day. Verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble. So they got offended by that. They began to grumble. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? The same thing that offended them in Mark 6 is offending them now. Wait a minute. You're saying you came from heaven? I know your father. What are you talking And they got offended again, right? Jesus rebukes He says, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. None, no one can come to me unless the father who sent uh, me draws them. And I'll raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They'll all be taught by God. Everyone who's heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who's from God. Only He has seen the Father. Verily, truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I'll give for the life of the world. Now get this, verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply. So first they are grumbling. Now they start to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us the flesh to eat? Imagine that. 5,000 people following Jesus. This guy's amazing. Hey, I want you to eat my flesh. I'm the bread from heaven. you got to eat my flesh. They took him literally. He had no explanation. you got to eat my flesh and you'll have eternal life. Whoa. Wait a minute. You're telling me i got to eat your flesh. Okay, now get this. Jesus doesn't, like, explain himself. Like us, we might read this and be like, oh yeah, he's talking about crackers. (laughs) He's talking about grape juice and crackers. That's fine. (laughs) Put yourself in their place. These are Jews. There's probably not very much that's more offensive than eating a human's flesh. That's cannibalism. We'd still be offended to this day. Imagine I said that. I need you to eat my flesh drink my blood. No explanation. So Jesus goes on. He said to them, Verily, truly, I tell you, unless you eat my flesh, or the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So then he goes further. He doesn't care that they're arguing sharply. He's like, oh, that offended you? Get this, you have to drink my blood too. No explanation. Right? Not this like it's symbolic, talking about great juice. <laughs> None of that. No, you got to drink my blood. Or else you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life. And I'll raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. are them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever f- feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now get this, we're talking about Jews before, we're talking about just this huge crowd, people who are neither here or there. It's like, okay, we just like this guy who's doing all these miracles. Get this, verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples now. Now this is many of his disciples were getting offended. They said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Right? We're talking about believers now. People who followed him day and night, everywhere he went, saw the miracles. Now they're even getting offended by this teaching. Verse 61, Aware of this, that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Remember, we're talking about offense now. Rhetorical question. He knew it offended them, didn't he? He's using this to illustrate something, and he's using this to reveal what's actually in their hearts. Okay, so does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Now get this. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Jesus knew from the beginning who would betray him. So he's using this offensive message to weed people out. To display, to, like I said earlier, to, to display what their true beliefs are. To display who's really with them and who's not. Drink my blood. Cannibal. You know, this was so offensive to the Jews. You look at Acts 15, when they're trying to figure out whether we should circumcise the Gentiles or not. They're like, hey, no, we can't put them under the law, but we're going to give them these four things. One of the four don't drink blood. <laughs> that was like how disgusted they were with drinking blood. This is highly offensive no explanation. Okay? So wait, are we are you saying to follow you were we're going to be cannibals? Like what are you saying, Jesus? Doesn't doesn't give an answer. Making a point. So he went on to say, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father's enabled him." Verse 66. This is kind of creepy because it's 666, right? John 6:66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Offending the mind to reveal the heart. This, again, trying to show you this is a strategy of the Lord. This is a, so whenever we're offended, wow. Jesus is saying, you've got to discern this by the Spirit. That's what he's saying. My words are Spirit and life. They're full of life. And if you can't discern this by the Spirit, you're not really with me. So, anyway, I'm going to finish it. So Simon Peter answered him. Oh, Wait. 67, you don't, know, you don't want to leave me too, do you? He asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, and this is the humility. This is what we need, how we need a response if we're ever offended with the Lord. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. That's all that matters. They were, I'm guessing, offended too. We don't understand this, but we're with you all the way. We're totally on board. You have the words of life. Even though this makes absolutely no sense to me, we're still with you. We're not leaving. Jesus was impressed with this. He said, I have, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. And he's talking about Judas, who's going to betray him. Haven't I cho- I was the one who chose you. Remember that scripture in Matthew? Many are called, but few are chosen. Have you ever wondered what that means? What, what does it mean that many are called, few are chosen? The Lord's saying, one of the ways you get chosen is by overcoming offense. Because he knew, these are the twelve who are going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and they're going to have to overcome so much offense, so much persecution, so many things they don't understand. And this is the litmus test. Are you going to stay with me even when you don't understand? Early on in Acts, James, John's brother, died, got murdered. for whatever reason, the Lord didn't release him from prison. Then Peter gets in prison, and the Lord sends angels and miraculously gets him to escape. You don't think they wonder, Lord, why didn't you miraculously let James out of prison? Why did you let him die? But you don't see that, do you? You don't see them wondering. They just went on and proclaimed the gospel regardless. Sometimes things don't make sense. God, why did you let this person die? And that person live. Sometimes we just gotta... I don't know, but you have the words of life. We're with you no matter what. And the reason why this is so critical, and that's that's why I'm giving all these scriptures, to have this foundation, we cannot... And this kind of goes along with what Rob was saying. There's so many people who get offended for different reasons. Sometimes as people, you know, it's not always the Lord. But then what happens to them? We don't see them in church anymore. You know, we don't see them... We probably all can think of someone who this has happened to. I know whole congregations where, because they're offended with the Lord, they, you know, that, like, for instance, if they were praying for someone in the congregation to be healed and everyone thought they were going to be healed and that person died, what do you do with that? And if you... Wait, God, we believe we had all these prophetic words, we are praying, fasting, believing, and you let this happen. Remember, offense, faith goes down, and then God doesn't really move anymore. We gotta, even if it makes no sense to our minds, even if it's someone so close to us, we gotta watch our hearts and not get offended with the Lord. Because things are gonna happen in our world, and we're gonna have ample opportunity to be offended over and over and over again, I guarantee it. The Bible says it. Increase of wickedness. So what are we going to do with that when offense comes? Are we going to bail? Are we going to keep following the Lord regardless of what happens, even when it makes no sense? James, one of the twelve being killed. I'm sure they asked the question. Like I said, Lord, why didn't you release him, but you released Peter? I don't know. But because they have such humble hearts to keep on going with Jesus, even in the midst of offense, that's why I chose you, because I knew you wouldn't bail when that happened. These things are spiritually discerned. I want to say this. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 14. Remember, Jesus said, my words are full of spirit and life. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. Sometimes things can only be discerned through the spirit, like the manifestations or whatever happens. God, is this you? You... First thing when you're offended, don't judge it and watch your mouth. Because a lot too many people say that's the devil. Ooh. Matthew twelve, you gotta watch your words. Pray about it. Because <laughs> they're spiritually discerned and they don't make sense to the natural mind often. We're not immune to offense. Just because we're believers, we've been believers all our lives, maybe. This shows that these disciples they weren't immune to falling away because of offense, okay? But not only that, and this is where, this is my opinion, I want to preface it because I know people have different opinions about this. John the Baptist, and I've mentioned this before, but it's, it's amazing to me. John the Baptist, this is the son of man. His whole ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord. He was super offensive, <laughs> Camel skin for clothes. Imagine I wore camel skin for clothes and ate locusts and honey and had dreadlocks. <laughs> Yet, he, and he's the one who said, This is the Messiah. I was there. I heard the voice. I saw the Holy Spirit descend on him. This is the one who is to come. This is the guy who I've been my whole life dedicating to prepare the way for. Matthew 11. Okay, he's in prison now, John the Baptist. Verse two to six. And when John had heard, uh, uh, sorry, John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor of the gospel preach them. Verse six. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. I am guessing, and this is my opinion, is conjecture. John the Baptist is offended. He's in prison. Wait a minute, Jesus. The prophecies say you're, setting, you're coming to set the captives free, to set prisoners free. I'm in prison. Are you the one, or is there someone else coming? That's my opinion, that he was offended. Why am I in prison? You're the Messiah, aren't you? Jesus says, watch out. Blessed are you if you're not offended by me, by what I'm not doing. And that's another thing. I, all along I've been talking about what Jesus did do, like he offended them with words and that sort of thing. What about what you're not doing, Jesus? Jesus, why haven't you healed me? Why, why haven't you healed my family? Whatever. And, I, and this is close to home to all of us. I'm not immune to this either. It can pave the way for offense if we're not careful, and we've got to be careful. That's what Jesus says. Hey, Blessed are you if you're not offended by what I'm doing or by what I'm not doing, because you've got to carry on regardless. And we don't understand in the limitations that we have the eternal perspective that God has on everything. But we got to really watch ourselves, because this is the root of falling away in John 6, is being offended with Christ. And the great falling away, talking about Matthew 24 now, um, Jesus said, At that time... Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Right? And so we're living in those times where there's an increase in wickedness and there's an increase of potential for offense and hearts to grow cold and many turning away from the faith. And that's why the urgency of this message I wanted to share with you because of the times we're living in, we really got to guard ourselves. We really have to overcome the potential of offense. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Am I done now? Hint, <laughs> <laughs> no, hint. Like, no, no, I just,
1: I just feel it. I just need to pray for that for us. So, yeah? Okay. Um, if you guys just want to stand up really quick, I just want to pray for this humility over us. Um, just because in this time and season, it's just so important that we do embrace this message. So, God, I just ask right now, we just ask that we would not be offended. That we would have hearts just of gold that are just Whoa. so humble that whenever you do anything that we don't understand, and whenever we feel offense in our heart, that we just choose humility. Whoa. That we're like the woman who got called a dog and we're like, you know what, I don't care. I'm still going to cry out to you, God, because you're the only one with the words of God. Whoa. That our hearts would be in this
0: posture of humility all the days of our life,
1: God. That you would convict us of any ways that we've become offended and have closed our hearts to you. That we would see areas where there's, there's things that you wanted to do in our lives, but you haven't been able to because we've been offended. God, I ask, would you offend our minds to reveal our hearts, God, so that we would be pure before you on that day. So that our words and our heart would be so pure. The words of our heart, the meditations of our mind would be so, so pleasing. The words of our mouth, God, that that everything that came out of us would just be pure gold. So I just thank you. I thank you for this exhortation. God, we just pray that you would just write it on our hearts, God, that every chance we had to turn away from you because of offense, that we would turn toward you.
0: Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, so I just want to... If you have a... Uh, if you feel like this has resonated with you, and I know this is a heavy message, so we should release really some joy too. But... Um, if you have been offended with the Lord, and, and you can just do this on your own too if you like, because I know that's something challenging to, to admit, right? Like, or But if, if this is something that spoke to you or, or that there's a potential that or whatever... You know, just give you the opportunity to examine yourselves. Because, like I said, when we're offended, it's an opportunity for us to check our hearts. Remember, pride is offended. Humility is grieved. And so what comes out of our heart when we're offended really gives us a, an idea of, hey, maybe this is an issue I needed to deal with. And sometimes we just got to choose not to be offended, like that woman in Matthew 15. Right? Just, it's a choice. Hey, I'm offended, but I'm going to choose to go in the opposite direction. And if something looks offensive, remember, don't judge, don't speak, pray about it, and ask the Holy Spirit if it's God or not. And that's something I really want to encourage as well. So Lord, thank you for this opportunity. And I just thank you for these wonderful people, God. I thank you, God, that you, by your Spirit, have so much mercy and so much grace. That even if we're feeling convicted or even if we uh, are examining ourselves, Lord, that you're going to just comfort us, that you're going to give us peace and grace and just joy and hope, knowing, Lord, that you're going to continue to reveal yourself to us, to continue to heal our hearts in whatever way. And Lord, I just ask for protection in in this time, Lord, that we're living in, that you would help us and enable us not to be offended, whatever comes, whether it's you or not, Lord, but that we would forgive that we would press on and choose to live like you lived, unoffendable, completely. So Lord, I just bless everyone here, and I thank you, God, um, that as we walk uh, out of this place, that you're going to continue to just fill us with your spirit, with your joy and your peace, and continue to just reveal in a gentle way if there's anything that we need to uh, change in our lives. So we just thank you again, and we bless you, Lord. And I just speak your blessing over all these people. In Jesus' name, amen. So you're you're blessed to go, but if you'd like ministry uh, at all, we'd love to pray for you, whether it's something the Lord convict you, or even Rob's word, like I mentioned earlier, um, or just anything that you would like prayer for. We'll have the ministry team come up and you can just come forth and we'll, we'll pray for you. The rest of you, God bless you and have an amazing week. In Jesus name.